Well, hey guys. Uh, Happy Thursday. Hey, we like to say around here that Fridays kind of don't count at work. And so we hope you stay out late, you make some friends and man, party like it's Friday, right? So welcome to Young Adults. We're so glad that you guys are here. Before we get into our series, before we get into this sermon, we have some really important thing that we need to do very quickly. If you guys would just kind of join your hearts to this moment. Um, we want to thank some of the most amazing people really quickly um, on the planet. We have an intern program here. And for the last nine months, um, our ministry has been pushed forward by three individuals. And so if we could have Ashlyn come up here, if we could have Jackie and... Zach, that would be awesome. And if you guys could just give them a round of applause. We are so, yes, we are, we are so grateful for these three. <laughs> Amen. Amen. They deserve it. Thank you, Lord. These three have done everything from change diapers to make sure that you guys have seats here to make sure that there's pizza for the volunteers, and they have served in a capacity of ways. I mean, they have done so many things. After the dunk tank night at our red conference, they stayed up really late emptying the dunk tank with a, with a bucket and, and, you know, tearing it down and making sure that we had the best retreat of our lives and making sure that every Thursday night goes off um, without a hitch, and so we are so immensely grateful for them. And then I would like to also have all of our interns that are not within our department, I would love to have all of them uh, stand if you guys could. <laughs> some of them are serving in Kids Rock tonight, but if all of you guys could stand, some of them are at the back. Um, man, they have poured so much into Red Rocks Church at large, and our church is healthier because of it and more like Jesus because of it. We look more like Christ because of you guys. And so um, if our staff could come up, we're just going to pray for these guys really quick and thank them. Um, they are in a new part of their journey, and we're just so grateful. Some of them are moving on into different spaces and different places, and we could not be more grateful for um, everything that they've poured out for, um, for us and how much they have loved you guys. And while you may not have seen their faces all of the time, man, they have worked on your behalf and so they deserve our honor and they deserve our prayers and so if you guys could reach out a hand towards them we're just going to pray for them really quick god we thank you so much they're such dorks all right god we thank you so much for all these three and you knew you perfectly picked them for this season you perfectly picked them for our team in this time. And this season has been just one of the most beautiful um, seasons of growth and transition and transformation where our ministry um, has taken new ground, where it has, oh my goodness, so many um, new things have been laid into place. And God, we thank you so much for that. And God, we pray that you would just be, um, your sovereign hand would be upon them, that they would feel your grace and your mercy in their new season. God, that they would feel your power in their new season, God. And that they would know, God, that you care so deeply about them as their children. And God, we are immensely grateful. We are grateful uh, to them as a young adult staff, as a Red Rock staff. And God, we pray that, um, that they would be refreshed in this season and that, God, that the race that they began here, that they would know that they are just getting started. God, we thank you so much. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, can we give them one more hand?
Um, thank you, you guys. They have worked so hard, so hard, and we are so, so grateful. So thank you for sharing in that moment. All right, so we are in a series called God's Plan. And this series is so incredible. I have loved this series so much. The reason that we began this series, the reason that we started this series is because God says that he has a plan for every single one of us. I don't know if you know this, but in scripture, it talks about the fact that before you were born, God knew you. He knew your name, and the Bible says that he predestined you for good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. And so I say this all the time, but it is a setup, church. God has set you up to have success in this life towards the works that he has you to do. And all we have to do is receive from the Lord the thing and the plan that he has for us. And yet for a whole lot of us, we feel kind of lost on this concept of what God's plan is. And so that's why we decided to do this series. And in week one, Connor did an awesome job and he talked about the reality that um, in our world and in our time, what we think our calling is, is we think it's a noun, right? A person, place, or thing. And yet it could not be further from the truth when it is actually a verb and it is following Jesus. And week two, we talked about this idea of humility and releasing. And then in order to gain God's, um, you know, invitation in our lives, we need to humble ourselves so that he can invite us into the proper place. That releasing is a principle of the kingdom. That humility is a principle of the kingdom that wins every single time. And what we want to talk about tonight is this idea, again, kind of a positioning. Last week, we talked about positioning yourself in the lower chair. And what I want to talk about tonight is the idea of positioning yourself in the space that Jesus gives you so that your life can be lived in the optimal place of activity, of momentum, of favor, and of victory. And so what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is this idea of coming under Jesus's yoke. And I want to talk about this idea of coming under his authority. And so all of us know, um, if you have ever been around sports or you've heard people talk about sports, um, you've heard this idea of being in the zone, right? Being in the zone. And basically what it is, is it's this state of consciousness um, for athletes and for players where um, they have complete focus and they have complete intentionality towards what they are doing. And because of that, they are able to perform mind, body, you know, the whole deal at an optimal level, at a peak level. They are in the zone. This is a book that was written um, a while back. It's by John A., I think, Pissarro. And he wrote a book about baseball players being in the zone. It's titled In the Zone. And he says, when you're in the zone, you just got to lock it down and you got to stay there because you don't know how long it's going to last and it's good because you're able to perform at a peak, you know, at your optimal level. And maybe you haven't heard of this term, but maybe you've heard of the term in the pocket. And if you're a musician in here, this term is what we use when people are in concert and we get to watch them in concert and you see a bunch of musicians come together in perfect harmony and in synchronicity and they have this union and they're right on tempo and we say, wow, that performance was right in the pocket. That song was right in the pocket, man. That was amazing. And what we're saying when we say that or what people are saying and critics are saying is they were saying, man, they are in the zone. That whole band when Corey played and when Theo was with them and Scott, like they just were together and they were in the pocket. That's what we say. And when a quarterback is um, releasing, when he hikes the ball and he kind of comes back into what they call the pocket and his, you know, offensive line kind of steps forward, what he is doing is he's giving himself the optimal opportunity to move the ball forward down the field. 
And so these terms, in the zone and in the pocket, what they mean for us is they are, um, they are our optimal potential of activity for every single one of us. And I don't think I need to talk to any one of us about how cool this is and how awesome this is. And whether you are an athlete or whether you are a musician, I think every single one of us wants to operate our lives in a way where we are operating at our peak potential and in a place where it is almost effortless in what we are doing and in the way that we are operating. Our life seems to move from glory to glory with ease. And God says, this is what I would like for you. I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. God didn't say, I came so that you would live your life wretchedly forward. I didn't come so that you would live your life and you would not have victory. I didn't come so that you would have life and you would not have promise. No, I came came to give you life so that you would have life and life abundantly. He says, I came that you would live in a place where it felt like There was very little effort on your part, and yet you felt like you were in the zone when it came to your life. The Bible puts it this way, and I love this scripture, and I'm going to read it in two different places. It says this in the ESV. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases his strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall and be exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint are you kidding uh it says this in the message god doesn't come and go god lasts i'm sorry he's the creator of all you can see or imagine he doesn't get tired out he doesn't pause to catch his breath he knows everything inside and out he energizes those who get tired he even gives fresh strength to the dropouts for even young people tire and drop out and even young folk in their prime they stumble and fall but those who wait on God will get fresh strength. They will spread their wings and soar like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not lag behind. God says, I have a way for you to live, church. This is not some type of self-help. I have a way for you to live where you operate in an optimal place of activity and momentum and grace, and you will do it in my yoke. And so I titled tonight, In the Pocket. And so you can check for loose change in your pocket and write down the title, In the Pocket. Amen? Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be here. God, we thank you. We thank you for every single person that's in this room. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you that you work on our behalf. We thank you that you're with us and you're for us. You go before us and behind us. And I pray that tonight that people would leave with an immense amount of confidence about who you are in them and for them. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, how many athletes do we have in here? Raise your hand, couple. All right, amen. Ooh, a lot of you. Wow. All right, all right, all right. Now, how many, how many mathletes do we have in here? Yeah. Yeah. You're the real MVPs, right? All right. All right. All right. I don't... I don't need to tell any of you athletes what it's like to be in the zone. I think you have all felt um, maybe a season or a game or maybe a few minutes in a game where you could not go wrong, where every single touch of the ball is perfection and every single swing of the bat is like right on the money. Like, you know what I mean? Like that moment where you are so in the zone. And for you mathletes, same, right? Like I love it when I'm like, if you're... 
same seats. I love it when I'm like, raise your hand, you know, if you're competitive. And, uh, you know, like, like every, anybody who's like a scientist or a mathematician, they're like, I am not competitive. No, false. You are competitive. <laughs> because I have been to a Kemble and I saw a whole different side of y'all, right? Where you got to get up there and do your stoichiometry and you got to do, you know what I mean? And like before the teacher can even get out the question, you are like in the zone and you're like, beep. And you're like, I know the, you know, I don't know what the answer is, but you do. <laughs> and you're in the zone. Or I know, I know how you work, right? I've like watched you. Like I'm the dumb kid in class and you know, and I'm at the back and you guys are in the front and you guys are like taking a test and you view it like a rodeo. And you know, it's like B. D, all of the above, C, you know what I mean? And then you turn in, your, you turn in that test like you want to be first, and you're like, stop. You leave class, you're like, I'll ask you on a date later. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like fired up. You're like in the zone. You know what I'm saying? And we love, man, we love being in the zone. I don't know if you've had a season of life where you have felt in the zone, or you have had a season of life where you felt like everything you touch turns to gold and you can't go wrong. And there's an effortlessness to your life and there's a grace to your life. And it's almost as if your life is moving forward in effort and yet it is effortless. There is an ease and a confidence. And we also know, we also know what it feels like to lose that strength, to lose, as they say in sports, your edge. I don't think I need to tell anybody in here what it's like to have experienced breath and motivation and forward momentum and then to lose something like that. How many of you uh, maybe go to CCU? Okay, t none of you, great. <laughs> Uh, this is my alma mater. I went to a small Christian university here in town, and on Fridays, they don't have school, okay? And so you could arrange your classes in such a way where you only went to school two days a week. It was awesome. And if you were like me and you loved the mountains, you spent every other day up in the mountains snowboarding with your friends. And what we would do is we would head up to the park and we'd just hike the park all day. And it was so fun, especially in the spring when the sun's out like it is today. And we would spend time on the rails and on the boxes and in the half pipe and whatever. And the boxes were some of my favorite things. They're essentially a box with like fiberglass on top so you can like board slide, do whatever you want, whatever. And I was having a day where I had lost my edge and nothing I could do was right. Now, later on this year, don't feel too bad. I'm not going to, later on this year, it was like a year of losing my edge because later on this year, I would end up fracturing my pelvis. But on this day, on this day, I just looked stupid. And so, so I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, like, I've got this. Like, and I'm talking to myself, I'm like, you got this. Like, no big deal. It's like a thing, and it goes down, you're fine. You know, and I get up on the, I get up on the box, and I'm there for, like, two seconds. I catch a little edge, and I go over, and then my, like, legs come over after me, like, scorpion style. And I just was like, ooh, you know, and this guy is, like, clapping. He's this older dude. And he kind of looks like a mountain man, like a mountain sage, and he just goes, it comes and it goes, I tell you. I swear, true story. And I was just like, thanks, Gramps. Like, I feel so stupid, right? But when it comes to the way that you and I do life, it kind of feels like it comes and it goes, right? Like, you are in the zone and then you're out of the zone. Like, you have things going in your favor and then all of a sudden you lose your edge. And I think God would like to show us a way of living where you don't lose your confidence. And you don't lose your edge. 
and you don't lose vitality and forward momentum. I think there's a way that God wants his church to operate where we feel like we are moving forward in massive amounts of effort, and yet it feels completely effortless. The Bible, if you guys would turn to Matthew 11, has a story about how Jesus would like for us to live with him and through him. It says this, at this time, Jesus declared, this is verse 25, at this time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except for the Father, and no one knows the Father except for the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, or upon you, excuse me, and learn from me, and I will be, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus begins this conversation, and he says, I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise. And he's being sarcastic here, because he's alluding to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who think that they don't need understanding. And he's alluding to people who think they know everything. People who don't need to learn. People who don't need to know anything about God. And he says, I thank you, God, that you have actually hidden. Listen, God actually hides things from people who don't think they need them. The Bible says that. He says, thank you that you have hidden them from people who think they know everything. And that you have revealed them to children. In other words, I thank you that you have hidden them from people who think they know everything and you have revealed them to people who pronounce to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. The Bible says that Jesus actually reveals certain things to children, more specifically to his children. If you don't believe me, read Colossians. The Bible says this, the Bible says that something, the gospel itself, has been hidden for ages and generations, but it is revealed now to us, the saints, the children of God. And then it says this, to them, meaning God's kids, to children who are simple in understanding, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What God is saying here is that you, if you are a follower of Jesus and you have raised your hand and you have maybe as a child even surrendered your life over to Jesus, the Bible says that you are now adopted as sons and daughters into his kingdom. And not only that, but you have received the title of a child of God. And with that title comes spiritual insight. I don't know if you know that. But there are things that will be hidden from the rest of the world. This is what the Bible says. That will be revealed to his children. The first thing that will be revealed to us is he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't know if you have hope right now. Not only does God say, I'm going to give you hope, I'm going to give you hope for glory because Christ is in you. And then he goes on and he says this. Jesus said, I thank you that you have hidden the truth 
from the people who proclaim to be wise, but that you have revealed it to your kids. And now he is about to reveal some more truth to his children. And when he does this, he is going to reveal a way of living that he wants to live, us to live in constancy. And he says this in Matthew 11. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus begins this conversation and he says, come to me. And he doesn't say, all of you who feel like you have life figured out. He says, come to me, all of you who have so many strengths and you feel like you have life by the horns. No, he says, come to me, you who labor. Come to me, you who are heavy laden. The Passion Translation, it says, come to me, those of you who are weary or who carry a heavy burden. The Message Translation says, come to me, those of you who are worn out. Those of you who are tired, those of you who are burned out on religion, and I love that we read Isaiah 40. At the beginning it says, those of you who are faint, and to him who has no might. You know what Jesus is saying when he says this? He says, come to me, those of you who feel like you have lost your edge. Come to me, those of you who feel like you don't have an edge anymore. You've lost your moment. You've missed your zone. You're out of the pocket. Come to me, he says. And I think for anybody in here who has ever been an athlete or who has ever maybe felt like that moment of feeling, oh man, like I'm really in a place of like vitality right now. If you've ever felt that way, you know what it feels like then and how debilitating and how deflating it feels to lose that. It's almost as if it would be better for you to never have confidence uh, before than for you to have it and then lose it. It's almost as if it would be better for you to not have experienced that season of immense amounts of forward momentum and then to have lost it because it's so painful. And Jesus says, I understand exactly how you feel. Stephen Furtick was preaching a sermon a few years ago when we were at a conference. And he said that he did a staff chapel with like this A-team, like biggest church in America staff, Right? And he says he felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, he said, hey, any of my staff who feels like they have a loss of confidence, I feel like God's put it on my heart. Any of you who feel like you have a loss of confidence, come forward. And then he said, everybody, he has a staff of like 300 people. He said, everybody but two people came forward for prayer. I wonder tonight if you feel like you've lost your confidence. I wonder tonight if you feel like you've lost your edge, you've lost your strength. Maybe you're in a season where you're graduating and life has never looked brighter, but maybe you're in a season where you're graduating and life has never looked dimmer. Maybe right now you are feeling weary. Maybe you are feeling burnt out. Maybe you are feeling burnt out on church. And Jesus says, I have a new way for you to live. I have a way for you to gain back that life. I have a way for you to receive the life that you've been missing. I have a way for you to gain back your edge. If you would, but listen to me and do as I am instructing you to do. And then he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says if you want to live your life in a way that is optimal, that is forward momentum, and is operating at peak all the time, he says you need to come under my yoke. And a yoke in first century Judea would have been something that everybody knows what they're talking about. And none of us would know, because we don't farm. 
This is um, heavy, it's fine. Okay. And this is essentially what the yoke would look like. And basically what it was, was it was a cross piece of wood that two animals would come under and it was how they would plow ground. So they would attach with this little hook here, they would attach a plow to the back and then they would plow ground or they would move a cart or they would move a piece of machinery, whatever it needed to be. And this is where we get the term horsepower because you could fit two horses underneath it or two ox as it were. And you could move the plow forward and the, the, the opportunity here was that there was twice the amount of effort with a singular pull not only that, but that it would keep in line. Um, normally, one of the ox, because ox are kind of dumb, they would actually try to um, go off to the left or off to the right, but when there were two of them, they would like keep each other in line. Seriously. <laughs> and so, because of this, it was this beautiful, beautiful picture of momentum and strength and power and forward mobility. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who feel like you lost your edge. Come under my yoke. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this without help. And so, um, John, John, if you can come over here, help me. Um, I actually don't even think I'm going to be able to lift it over my head. So, um, the Bible says, when Jesus is saying this, he's saying, and so I will come under the yoke. Everybody, this is my husband, John. <laughs> Babe, how much do you love young adults? <laughs> I love it. Um, how, how do you think, what's your favorite part about your wife? Your spunk. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> so Jesus says, Jesus says, when he says, come under my yoke, what Jesus is meaning is he's saying, I am going to take one side of this yoke and underneath the other side is where you are going to be. I will be carrying one side of the load, and you will be carrying the other. And so there'll be one side where someone who is strong and capable will be towing the load, and you get to come along for the ride. See, John, um, I don't know if he's actually stronger than me. Um, <laughs> she is freakishly strong. <laughs> um, for the sake of this conversation, we're going to say that he's a little bit, he's a little bit stronger than me, all right? Um, he could do lots of push-ups. I could probably take him in a cage match. You guys decide. Um, and so for the sake of this illustration, if we both were to come under this yoke, go ahead and do it. We did not practice. Um, if we both were to come under this yoke, all of the inertia and the power, here, don't make him laugh anymore. Like, I got, I got to tell a story. Um, all of the inertia and the power and the forward momentum that would need to happen would come from him. And I would get to come along for the ride, and I would get to be like, oh, my gosh, like, you're, you're so strong, and, like, good job, right? And I would get to be a part of the yoke, even though I was not the power of the yoke. And this was true of Ox. There would normally be one that was stronger than the other one, and he would kind of tow the bulk of the load, but the other one was there to kind of keep it in line and keep it moving forward. And so there would be all of this forward momentum and yet very, very little effort on my part if John was on the other side. Now, if it's me on one side and it's Jesus on the other side, there would be loads of forward victory 
and we would be moving from glory to glory and we would take new ground and we would take new places and there would be no effort on my part because he's God and I'm not. The Bible says that apart from God, apart from his yoke, we can do nothing and we think, well, I can do some things. The Bible says, no, the place of optimal activity, the place of forward momentum, the place where you get to feel the most inertia is where you come under my yoke for my burden is easy and light. And this, the message says this, then you will begin to live freely and lightly. And so whether it's John or whether it's Jesus, hopefully it's Jesus, <laughs> it will be a very easy burden for you to be carrying. Can you guys give him a hand? He says, come to me if you're weary, if you're burdened. Come to me if you've lost your edge and take my yoke upon you. God says, if you come under my yoke, you will begin to live a life of vitality and strength. You will begin to live a life of forward momentum, of moving into new spaces and new places, and you will do it by his power and by his effort. And as I was thinking about it this week, it reminded me of a quarterback staying in the pocket. It reminded me of a quarterback because when he receives the ball, he takes a few steps back, and this kind of arch forms around him with the offensive line. And they protect him and they give him a moment to make some decisions and they give him a moment to kind of get the ball down the field and he has the inertia of the entire team with him and that is how he gets the ball down the field with just an arm throw, which when you think about it is very little effort in context with the effort of the entire team. And God wants you to understand tonight because, see, college football players, they will scramble and they will move laterally and they will, like, you know, do the whole thing where they're like, well, I'm going to make the touchdown myself. Listen, pro football players, they know that if they want longevity in their career, they know that if they are going to go the distance in their career, if they are going to have W after W after W, if they are going to be the types of, you know, athletes that live in the zone and stay in the zone and people write about, if they are going to have that type of career, they've got to stay in the pocket. It's too dangerous at a pro level. And Jesus wants you to understand tonight that you are at a point in your Christianity now where it is no longer okay for you to just continually come from out from under his yoke and do things your way. That you need to stay under him and within him and through him and to him. And that is how you will have longevity. That is how you will go the distance. That is how your life will have vitality. And it will actually have W after W after W after W if you would only just stay in his pocket. See, there are so many benefits, you guys, to us staying in Jesus' yoke. There are so many benefits. Number one, it will protect us. Number one, it protects you. When a quarterback hikes a ball, he takes a few steps back. And like I said, this U forms, and that whole U is there to protect him. It is to keep the Von Millers out. It is to make sure he doesn't bleed. It is to make sure that he stays safe and that 200-pound dudes don't come and take his head off. And for you and for me, Jesus wants you to understand that when you are under my yoke, I can protect you. 
The Bible says this in the book of Psalms. It says, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in time of trouble. Um, back in the day, they would call refuges and strongholds. It was the same thing. And it was essentially when they, a place of hiding that was secure and that no person, it was impenetrable. No person could invade you. And so if Israel was being attacked or if they were in a place where they needed safety, they would retreat a little bit into a refuge or into a stronghold. And God says, when you lose your edge, it's okay for you to take a few steps back and let me come around you. It's all right. It's all right for you to take a few moments back and let me come to your aid and be your refuge. He says this in Psalms 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. Then Isaiah 41 says this, so I don't fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says, if you come under my yoke, I can protect you. If you scramble out to the side, it's more difficult for me to do that for you. Growing up, I grew up um, in kind of a white, trashy part of town. And uh, my neighbors across the street were the Imers, and they were awesome. There were like four boys, and they were so hardcore, and they had chickens, and they had little baby goats. And so I wanted to play with them all the time. And they even had, this is how like white trash it was, they had like lots of cars in their front yard. And then they had like a, a couch strapped to the back of like one of the trucks. You know what I mean? And then they had ropes where the boys would like tie themselves into the couch. It was so fascinating. Um, <laughs> White trash, man. And it was so good. I loved where I grew up. And I would, you know, roll across the street, and I would play with them. Well, one day, I was, I was playing with the boys, and they were all older than me, and I would want to do what they do and do the things, and I probably was annoying. And so I ended up running home and crying to my dad. And at some point during my playtime, um, they had gotten out a BB gun, and they had shot me in the back. And I remembered, like, meeting my dad. I was screaming, and I remembered meeting my dad in the doorway, and I just cried and he kind of just came down and he knelt with me in the doorway and he covered me with his like gigantic arms and I sobbed for a while and then after I got done sobbing, he says, okay, Jess, well, now go show them you can play with them. And I turn around because I was like, okay, dad. And, uh, and he swats my butt and like off I go, right? And I go over to the Imers, and it's like a whole different ball game this time. And they're like, oh, hey, Jess, like, so cool. And they're like, you want to shoot a BB gun, too? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And they're like, you want to play, like, um, laser tag with us later? And I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. You know what I mean? And they were so cool. And, like, I played with them all afternoon. It was so awesome. Well, as I turn around to leave, I realize why they are being so nice to me. My dad had his Ford truck parked, like, right in front of their house, and he was just leaning there like this. God is your refuge when you are in pain. He is your place to retreat to when life doesn't work out and when it hurts. And God is your strength when you decide it's time to go back to battle. The Bible says this in Psalms, and I love it. It says, you hem me in behind me and before me. You lay your hand upon me. You are my place of refuge when I need it. And you are my place of power 
when I'm ready to go again. God says, come under my yoke because then I can protect you. The second thing about the yoke of Jesus, the yoke of Christ, is that it gives you time to make a decision and it gives time for the play to form. When a quarterback takes a few steps back, he has a few moments when his offensive line is doing their deal and like there's a whole lot of noise for him to gauge what's going on and for him to make a decision to either keep the play as it is or to make a change, to make a choice. And some of you wandered in here tonight and you could not be more confused if you were being honest. Your head is like a beehive. You have so many decisions to make and you have no idea what to do. And God wants you to understand tonight, you can do it your way and wander um, under, you know, out from under his yoke, but your mind will wander as well. But if you would come under Jesus and if you would come under his authority, the Bible says you will then have the mind of Christ. And the Bible says this, it says, if you would just but come under Jesus, then he could help you in prioritizing your world. This is something that you as Christians, if you are a veteran Christian, you maybe have already learned this. But if you were to wake up in the morning and give him 15 minutes, 15 minutes of your time, the first 15, tithe them, the first 15, and you don't go to your Instagram and you don't go to your Twitter, but you spend it with Jesus, he will prioritize your day for you. He will say, I want you to say no to that thing. I want you to say yes to this. I need you to begin working on this. I need you to actually get that person out of your life. And you know what? You should give that other person a call. And Jesus will begin to prioritize your world for you if you would but come under his wing and under his authority. Proverbs says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, church. The heart is deceitful above all else. I don't know about you, but my heart has led me into some weird places. <laughs> in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Submit to God. Come under his authority. Come under his yoke, and he will make your path straight. Not only does the pocket provide you time to make a decision, it provides you like a space in which to process your thoughts. That's what the yoke of God does. That's what the yoke of Christ does. But it also um, makes it possible for you to have a place of rest and kind of just a moment to take a breath while the play forms around you. See, the quarterback takes a few steps back, and he has a few moments to breathe, and, like, his wide receivers are, like, doing their thing. I love it because quarterbacks get, like, all the glory, and they do none of the movement. <laughs> and then the play is there for him to take. I don't know if you know this, but every time you go to God, he is able then to work on your behalf. Every time you release to Jesus, he is able then to go ahead of you and work before you. Right now, even as you sit here, if you are just surrendered to him, he is going ahead of you and forming conversations that need to happen for you. He is going ahead of you and he is forming outcomes that need to happen for you. He is forming a play ahead of you unbeknownst to you that had nothing to do with you, that didn't require your talents, that didn't require your effort at all. If you would but come under his yoke and rest... See, and sometimes he doesn't need you to do anything but be faithful. And sometimes, church, what faithfulness looks like to you is simply returning to him. The third thing and the most important thing that the yoke offers for us it is, it, is that it offers a forward power and gives you a power that is beyond your capacity. It gives you a power that is beyond your capacity. 
I love this because we preach about this all the time, but the yoke of Jesus, this harness that comes over to animals, it gives this equal power to both animals. And Jesus says, when you come under my yoke, you actually receive my complete authority and my complete power if you would but remain in me. And I love it because we understand the first part of, you know, what we talked about tonight. And we understand that Christ is now in us. But what we don't understand is that the Bible also says that we need to choose to remain in him. That he is in us, but we choose to remain in him and under his yoke. And when we do that, we have the access of everything that Jesus has for us. We can tap into everything that he wants for us. The Bible says things like this. It says, stay, stay in step then with the Spirit. Keep in step then with the Holy Spirit. Remain then in Christ Jesus. And I love it because Chad always says this. He says, then you can plow twice the amount of ground and half the time with effort left to spare energy left to spare. And I think every single one of us wants something like that. God says, do you want to live optimally? Do you want to live at your peak level and at your peak performance? Because if you do, you need to understand in the spiritual realm, that can only come out of submitting yourself to the yoke of Jesus. That can only come out of coming under his authority. I was talking with a girlfriend years ago, and this girl was Man, she was a singer among singers, gifted by God to lead worship. I've never met anybody like her, seriously. And she was having a conversation with me, and she was having so many doubts in God. And I told her, she said, I just don't understand what freedom in God looks like. I don't understand what freedom in Jesus looks like. And I said, Elena, it is the yoke of Jesus. All the freedom you could ever want is underneath his harness, which might not sound like freedom to you, but it is where all the life is. And it is where all the potential is. And it is where all the goodness is. And it is where all the forgiveness is. It's everything you could ever want. I wonder tonight if some of you think that freedom or hope or ambition or potential is found someplace else. And God says this to you. He says, come back to me. You who have lost your edge. And you would think, you would think that all of us Christians, now knowing this, knowing that like, Man, my life is found in Christ. And all of my potential and all of my goodness is found by keeping in step with his spirit and by coming under his authority. You would think that all of us would be like sweet and we would spend our time with him and we would make sure that we are in alignment with his word and we are in agreement with his goodness. Like what would keep us from wanting protection and more power than our capacity? What would keep us from that? And I think it's because maybe like a quarterback, we get scared that the play isn't going to work out for us. And that maybe we need to scramble and make some plays on our own. Or maybe, maybe it's going to fall apart and we need to decision make on our own. Or maybe like in the, you know, in the garden, that God's holding out on us unless we do some effort on our own. What tonight is maybe keeping you, church, from coming under him God wants you to understand that all of the power, and Van, you guys can come back up here, all of the power and all of the authority you could ever want or ever need is underneath the yoke of Jesus. God wants you to understand that you have right now the entire inertia of the kingdom at your disposal and at your fingertips, but it has to come by you keeping in step with the Spirit. And I'm just going to say this tonight, but there are some of you, there are some of you tonight that love God. And I believe you love church, but you are making some decisions that are not within the yoke of Jesus. 
and you are making some choices that are not within his will or his integrity for you, and the reason you know this is because you know his word. And God's like, I am about to offer you everything you could ever want or everything you could ever need, and the forward momentum, the zone you would like to be in, the life you would like to be in, that wife that you want, it's gonna come. She's gonna come from being under my yoke. That husband that you want, that, that family life that you want, that's gonna come from being under my yoke. That job that you want, that potential that you want, that's gonna come from being under my yoke. And so come to me. And I think there are two kinds of people in here tonight. Isaiah 40 says this, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And there are two kinds of people tonight. And all of you in here can stand because you're probably in one of these groups. The first group is this. Maybe you're in here and you love God so much. And maybe you're not even like on like a wayward path the way that the world would describe it. But in your heart, (laughs) there's just some things that you're not submitting underneath him. And you're wondering, why isn't things working out for me? And why am I getting so bloodied? And why am I getting so beaten? And he's like, I would love to protect you, but you need to come under my protection. Some of you in here, you've never actually bowed a knee to Jesus at all. Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He saved my life. He gave me hope. He's the only thing that really is good about me, if I'm being honest. In him I have life, and in him I have fullness. And you can have it too. The Bible says that he came and that he died for your sin and for your lack, and then he raised again to give you a new life. And the new life that he's talking about is found in him and through him. It is his power and his life in you, and it is you coming under him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, with the first group, I think there's some of you in here tonight, I'm just being honest. Man, you are making some decisions. And they are going to end up hurting you and wounding you. And I say this in love as your pastor, as your friend. Jesus just wants you to come. You're feeling like you've lost your edge and you think you're going to find it in sex and you think you're going to find it in places that it's just not. And so for you, maybe you've accepted Jesus as your savior, but you need to return to his yoke. If that's you, would you raise your hand? A whole bunch of us. Number two, some of you are in here and you've never received Christ. (laughs) You've never taken a knee and said, God, I can't do my life. Now be my life. And if that's you, and you would like to receive Jesus for the very first time, I'm just gonna have you raise your hand nice and high. Nice and high, I see you. Amen, I see you, amen. God, I thank you for every single person in here. I thank you that you are for us, that you're not against us, that you are in our corner, that you are pushing our lives forward, that it is in you and through you that we get to live the life we always wanted, that it is underneath your wing that we are protected, that it is underneath your wing that we have everything that we could need. We praise you, God. We pray for every single person that received you, that they would, they would feel your um, power even as we worship. In Jesus' name. Um, one more thing before we start to worship. A quarterback, when he takes a few steps back, 
he's basically leaning back into his, his team and he's trusting his team to work on his behalf. And in the Bible, there's this story where the Israelites are being, um, they're having their exodus, they're having their freedom from Egypt. And God says to all of the Israelites, he says, you know, he sets them free from Egypt and he says, okay, now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a way for you to, you know, go to your promised land. I'm going to make a way for you. And he says, then he says this, and it's so weird. He looks at the Israelites and he looks at Moses and he says, Moses, tell the Israelites, I need you to take a few steps back. And they're like, what? But our promised land is that way. And he's like, yeah, 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 I know. I need you to take a few steps back. I need you to lean back into my refuge. I need you to lean back into my stronghold. This is nuts. And so they do. And it is moments after that that God says, now Moses, go crack that staff into the waves and the Red Sea parts. And I wonder tonight if God's just like, stop fighting so hard for yourself. Come under my yoke, take a few steps back and let me be your refuge, and I will work on your behalf unbeknownst to you, and I will part seas in front of you, for you, if you would but just come under me. And so as we worship, wherever you're at tonight, just reach up to God and say, God, I receive you again. I come under you again. I lean back into you again. God, we love you so much. May we worship you the way that you deserve. May we feel your power and your strength tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.